Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Timeout with DG podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate all the support. This is episode 20 of the podcast. Can't believe we've reached that number. This thing was started back in the fall, interviewing Houston sports stars, celebrities, uh, writers, journalists, you name it, people that make news and deliver the news. That's who we're interviewing on these podcasts. And it's been going pretty well so far, so thank you very much for that. Before we get started here on episode 20, which features Matt Bullard, former Houston Rocket and current color analyst for Rockets Broadcast on AT&T Sportsnet, a couple of things to get to. Go ahead and rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. If you don't have a five-star review to offer, go ahead and just send me an email. Because that five looks so nice with the five stars and... Yeah, I really like it. So go ahead and keep it a five rating. Let's just just, just stay with that. <laughs> anyway, and the second thing, just a quick message. I know there's been a lot of craziness going on, uh, a lot of things happening in the news, a lot of uncertainty going on. I think my message to everybody is to just love one another, respect one another. Love and respect will go a long way. We've seen what this country is capable of doing when we all love and respect one another, so that's my message to everybody. Love and respect each individual person here in this country, not just in this country, but around the world. The world will be a better place. So anyway, all right, to the business at hand, Rockets starting up again on July 31st. So this was the plan that has been approved by the NBA owners and approved by the NBA Players Association. We're finally getting basketball back. It took forever. It took way too long, in my opinion, honestly. We're seeing all these leagues around the world starting up already. I'm not really sure why the NBA took so long to get this thing going, knowing full well that you weren't going to just go right to the playoffs. That's one of the things that Matt Buller touches on. He's a fan of having a couple of games before the actual playoffs start, and that's what the NBA is going to do. They are starting July 31st, 22 of the 30 NBA teams will be there. The Rockets will be one of them, including the other 15 current playoff teams. And in addition, the New Orleans Pelicans, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, Phoenix Suns, and Washington Wizards will be heading to Orlando. Disney World is where they're going to be playing all these games. So one of the biggest questions heading into this whole thing, and as far as leagues starting up, is what will happen as far as testing goes for the coronavirus? Well, As part of this plan, they're going to be testing on a nightly basis in Orlando, but they're going to do so with a lighter mouth or nasal swab as opposed to that thing you've seen on TV, that long intrusive swab up your nose, which just looks so uncomfortable. Uh, A positive test will result in the quarantine of at least seven days. The NBA season will consist of eight games, basically eight games. They have two exhibition games. They're going to have a training camp two exhibition games. They're going to play eight games before the playoffs start, and they're actually going to feature a small tournament for that last playoff spot. So this could be really, really exciting basketball if you think about it. Here's the actual timeline of things going on. This is according to multiple reports. June 15, the players currently outside the United States will return to their home markets. June 21st, all players return to the home market. June 22nd is when testing for COVID-19 begins of the players and the coaches and the personnel with each individual team. June 30th, training camp begins. That will go on for a couple of weeks. And then July 7th, all teams will travel to Orlando to continue their training over there. July 31st, 
the season resumes. So I'm anxious to see what happens when these teams all get together in their home markets. I kind of want to get back to Toyota Center. I kind of want to talk to these guys. I don't know if it's going to be Zoom video conference meetings, how they're going to meet with the media, but on a you know, personal perspective, I've kind of been cooped up in this house for too long. I want to go back to an arena. I want to go back to a stadium to talk to these guys. It'll just be nice to see the players once again. I thought it was interesting, too, that, you know, one of the biggest questions for the NFL, that's another deal, the NBA Players Association was whether or not their families would be able to be with them in Orlando and Disney World and all that. Yeah, eventually, but it's going to have to happen once the playoffs start. So they have about 1,600 people designated that can be in the bubble atmosphere in Orlando and Disney World. So as teams start leaving, then more people can come in to fill those numbers. I thought it was interesting. No, each team is able to have 35 people attached to their organization. So kind of keep that in mind with the numbers as, you know, as the numbers number of teams go down, then the number of people that can come in and be with the players, be with the family, that goes up. So I think it's going to work out really well. It's just unfortunate that we have to wait another two uh, month and a half to get there. So that's what Matt Bullard and I talked about. We talked about this Orlando plan. We talked about how it's going to work. He brought up some really interesting issues in terms of the Rockets because the Rockets, you know, a lot of people are arguing that they may have a chance in this new format, given the way they play, there's no travel. They're going to get a lot of rest. They don't play a lot of players, so their rotations are a little bit different than other teams. So they may have the upper hand when it comes to some of this stuff. It'll be interesting to see how the Rockets perform. So we talked about that. As I mentioned, we talked about the last dance. A whole sorts, all sorts of other things to talk about with Matt. He is fantastic. Always love chatting with him. Always love chatting basketball. And that's exactly what we do here in this podcast episode number 20 of Time Out with DG. Check it out. So I guess the first question is, how are you? How's the family? How's everybody holding up during these uh, two months that we're never going to forget? Wow. I mean, we are living through history for sure. It's uh, uh, just crazy times, but uh, thanks for asking. My family's fine. Uh, both my kids are in their 20s. They're both here at home. So we're all just hunkered down and safe and trying not to catch this thing. And and uh, you know, staying informed as much as we can. But uh, but yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm sort of uh, you know in my off season mode right now. Even though we know that hopefully there are some basketball games coming up soon. Is there a hobby that you've taken up in this amount of time with the family? Something that you didn't do before this? Uh, I've always kind of found that interesting when people pick up new things. Yeah, I actually have uh, started to do yoga on a very regular basis, uh, you know, trying to keep my body healthy, but also my mind healthy. And it's actually been working. I've really been enjoying that, you know, out on the back porch in the evenings, get a little yoga session. And, uh, and uh, I will tell you that I am absolutely terrible at it, but I am enjoying it. Hey, it doesn't matter as long as it's helping you. I'm, I'm terrible at yoga, too. I tried to, tried to do that years ago. My wife tried to convince me. I was like, nah, this, ain't, <laughs> this is not happening. Um, so as you're sitting at home watching all the developments, I guess, first of all, let me ask you, let's take you back to when all this broke, when all this started going down, you know, Rudy Gobert test positive, then, and then that was like the first domino that fell on this whole thing. So what was your thought process as all this stuff is unfolding in front of your eyes? Yeah. And I'm even going to take it a little bit farther back before Rudy Gobert. My daughter was living in Seattle, working in Seattle. And of course, that's where the coronavirus uh, first case in the U.S. was, was found. And her job 
shut down. And so I was paying attention to this, uh, you know, what was going on even before, you know, most of the people in the in society knew what was going on. So I was kind of like, oh, no, I see what's coming. And then, uh, and then Mike D'Antoni and I had dinner one evening on the road, and he was talking about his friends in Italy. And Italy is, you know, about three weeks ahead of the United States on the timeline. So Mike and I were thinking, oh, my goodness, look, this is what's coming. So I kind of knew that this, was, that this was coming and it could happen. And I remember the last game we played against the Minnesota Timberwolves in, in Toyota Center. I was talking with Jim Peterson, former Rocket, who does their TV. And, and we had heard that, man, the NBA is going to shut down. And sure enough, the next night, we would go bear test positive. The NBA shuts down. And, man, what has it been, like 80 days or something since? It's just been a blur. Yeah, so what are the conversations been like with guys that are in the league, that have played in the league, that are still involved in it, like you are? I mean, like, what are these discussions like? Just kind of some wait-and-see mode, really, for everybody until the higher-ups kind of decide to move this thing down the road a little bit, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the conversations I've been having are, you know, how do we get back to playing? And what does that look like? And how many games should be played? And, and where are we going to do it? And, you know, so all these conversations that I'm sure every, you know, big-time uh, Rockets fan or NBA fan is paying attention to, uh, there's so many different scenarios. There's so many different ways that the NBA could come back. But that's sort of the conversations that I've been having with my friends is, you know, what do you think? Think we can do this? What do you think about that? How many games should we play? And, and, uh, and then, of course, we've also been discussing uh, the good old days, too. You know, like uh, since there's no – current basketball being played and a lot of my friends and I would get we get back into the old days and talk about how fun the good old days were and you know uh, Vernon Maxwell uh, and I have been talking a lot and of course he's active on Twitter so it's always fun to have conversations you know with the old Rockets fans talking about the Clutch City years. Very he's very active on Twitter he, he doesn't doesn't mess around and I'm sure the last dance being on TV just brought back so many of those memories. Uh, I want to touch on that in a little bit Let's, uh, let's go back. So you, you talked about what should happen, what could happen. What do you think should happen? Should we get right to the playoffs? I'm kind of of that opinion. Like give them a couple of weeks to get ready together, go right into the playoffs, maybe a, a bigger format. I don't know. What, what are your thought process on that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. I would say in my mind, safety is first. You know, the most important thing is that, uh, that we're able to move forward and hopefully no one catches it. You know, let's hope that no player catches the virus. Let's hope that no coaches catch the virus. Uh, but even that being said, if there is a positive test, I don't think that should really shut the league down. But there are some risks of, you know, of this virus because we, you know, no one has immunity to it. So uh, to me, being safe is the most important thing. So I think the, the, the campus situation that they're talking about, having all the teams that are playing in Orlando, I think that's the right way to do it. That, that'll eliminate a lot of risk for traveling and, and all kinds of stuff. And if everybody can just stay in one place, then that'll really help. But, but, you know, I also think that going straight to the playoffs is going to be a little rough on the players. You know, they've had, they've been quarantined just like we have, and you cannot replicate NBA basketball by yourself at home. You have to play NBA basketball on the court with your NBA caliber players uh, to get back into shape. So it's going to take, it's going to take some time for our players to get back into legitimate basketball shape. You definitely want the games to be good. You don't want them to be sloppy and rusty and all that. So I, I think there should be some regular season games before the playoffs start. Uh, you know, even if it's just four or five, that's four or five basketball games that the players will be able to play in to get themselves back up to speed. So the playoffs will be, will be cool. 
Sorry about that. Hold on. Oh, there you go. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. All right, go ahead. Go. Ahead. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you're working from home and you got new sorts of technology. All that stuff goes down. Anyway, continue. I guess I'll, you know what? I'll pick. I'll pick it up from there because you've been in the league. You've played at this high level before. How long for us that you know don't really understand? How long does it really take? Um, as just workout wise, not just gameplay wise, just to kind of get back into the into the rhythm of playing in a in a season. And now, especially when the games mean the most towards the end. Yeah, we actually have uh, two data points on this. Uh, in previous lockout years, um, when the lockout was ended, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the seasons we had 16 days to get ready, and the other season we had 17 days to get ready. So I think 16 to 17 days is, is what you're going to see as the minimum amount of days that the players are going to need for a training camp style thing. But the other part of it is during those lockout years, we were all still able to play. You know, we were all able to go to the gym and get workouts in and, and, and play pickup. And so we're, the players today are going to be starting at a much different baseline because they haven't been playing for, for almost three months. So I think 16 days is the minimum that you would see for, for a training camp. And I, I would think that you probably need three weeks solid to really get these guys into, into, into shape where you're not worried about them having, uh, you know, injuries that come from laying off this long. So the other question that comes up is, is it worth it? Like, is it worth coming back right now? I know Major League Baseball is kind of struggling with that. They put out all the list of possible rules, like no high-fiving, no, you know, dugout rules that haven't existed before. Like, is it worth it? I know we're all basketball fans. We're all sports fans. Everybody needs to stay healthy. I know there's been some input from the players. Some have said yes, some have said no. What's your take on whether this whole thing is worth it at this point? Well, I mean, we really are getting, if you boil it all down, we're getting to uh, the essence of, of, uh, of work in general. You know, like uh, we wouldn't do our jobs if they weren't paying us money, you know, so it's worth doing what we do to get a paycheck so that we can live. And that's really what's driving this whole situation to me is I think the, the money aspect is uh, there, are, there are players who definitely want to get their money. They want to get paid. There's owners who definitely want the revenue coming through their businesses uh, the Rockets owner, for sure, uh, is wanting revenue coming through his his business, and that's all uh, legitimate. I mean, we all should say, yeah, we, that's what we want. The, the question is, can we do that safely? And so that's the balance that Adam Silver is going to have to find is how do we get revenue going back through this business model and do it safely so that our workers aren't getting sick and and uh, you know, or, or getting hurt. And so I think that's kind of the fine line that everybody's – trying to walk. And, I, and the good news is I think Adam Silver's done a terrific job of leading the NBA. He's such a good uh, commissioner. And the reason why I think he's so good is because he listens, you know, like he asks all the owners, he asks the players, the players union has uh, led by Chris Paul has had serious conversations with Adam Silver and they all are on the same team. So I, I really feel confident that Adam has done a good job of building a team sort of atmosphere with everybody who's going to be involved in making these decisions. So I think it's, uh, it's important for the NBA to get back to work so that the money can flow again, but in a safe way. So let's talk about the actual basketball. Then we had coach uh, Mike D'Antoni on this past weekend on our Sunday night show. He's obviously ready to go. He hasn't focused on anything else. He's been watching film at home. Um, how do the Rockets in your opinion stack up? Because some I've heard say, Hey, 
if the slate is wiped clean, I know the season didn't go as expected for, for the team up until the point where they all kind of closed down. But, hey, slates wiped clean, the way they match up and the way they play could be beneficial in a format like this. Yeah, and that's the whole thing is, uh, you know, uh, diehard Rockets fans, we know that the Rockets have gone small. They, they traded Clint Capella, their center, away and, and brought in Robert Covington, who fits the way they're trying to play. And they're trying to play with Russell Westbrook and James Harden and a bunch of guys creating space for them. They want to play fast. And this is what Mike D'Antoni did in Phoenix, the seven seconds or less uh, Phoenix Suns. Well, now he's just taking it even further now with the Rockets. And I think everybody is really excited. Uh, this is the season that the Rockets could get back to the championship. They could win uh, the NBA championship playing this small ball type of uh, shooting threes and creating space and, and getting all the way to the rim. And, and I would like to see Mike D'Antoni have the success of winning a championship with his, with his style, with the way he, he's developed this new modern way to play. He deserves it because what he's doing is, is putting the Houston Rockets on the cutting edge of modern basketball. And so I think everybody's excited. Man, let's get back to playing so we can see if the Rockets can win it. So do you think there's that style can match up well in a, you know, in a system that who knows how many games are going to be per series once the playoffs start and all? We don't know that, but you got to think it's going to be obviously a little bit more condensed than the seven game series. Um, if you're if you're playing fat, I mean that may be conducive to more winning for them in that kind of style in that that format. Yeah, and if if you think about, it, there's no travel. So you don't have to play a game and then get on an airplane and travel somewhere else. Everybody's just going to be able to go back to their hotel room and chill. So I think the quality of the games are going to be better because the players won't be so uh, jet lagged or tired from traveling. And that might be a good news for the Rockets is that the Rockets are trying to play fast and they're, they've got plenty of energy for all their games, but uh, D'Antoni's style can really benefit them. But really what Mike has done is, is he's just used simple math to figure out ways to get the most effective shots on the floor. And the most effective shot, obviously, would be right at the rim, a layup or a dunk. That's your highest percentage shot. But then the numbers show that the next best shot on the floor are three-pointers. And so what Mike has done is he's used his offensive genius to create space so that James and Russ can go in and lay it up. And then his three-point shooters are shooting threes. And so just from the mathematics standpoint, the Rockets have an advantage over every team they play because they just take more effective shots. So uh, when Coach – I asked Coach the other day, what, what's the biggest key for him once they get back on the floor? What's, what's going to be the one thing that he looks for that may propel this team where they want to be? He mentioned Eric Gordon. We know what James is going to bring. Uh, he's been working out, it seems like, a lot, getting his body right for, for this little stretch run. Russ is going to be fine. But Eric Gordon, I had to agree. I mean, how do you see Eric fitting back in? He was injured. He wasn't fully healthy this season. Well, I, I, you got to believe that this time off has been huge for him just to get well physically. Yeah, I guarantee you that this time off has helped Eric Gordon. I, I'm a, a veteran of five knee surgeries, unfortunately. So I know what it's like for Eric Gordon to have knee surgery in the middle of the season and try to come back. And it's, I always felt like it was a full year before my knee felt like my knee again. You know, So this time off for Eric Gordon to get healthy to get his body right is really going to be beneficial for him. And I, I agree with, with Mike and, and you that, that, you know, we know James Harden is the best scorer in the NBA. And, and Russell Westbrook, alongside of James, both those guys in the month of February, they both averaged over 30 points and over six assists. It's the first time in NBA history that two teammates have done that in one month. 
So they figured out how to play alongside each other, but you definitely need that third score, that third option, that third superstar, and Eric Gordon is, is that guy. And so him coming back, being healthy, really makes the Rockets' chances look a lot better. How tough has it been for you not to have basketball during this time? Like, I mean, this is, this is what you do. I mean, this is what we all do us, as fans and, you know, reporters, broadcasters. Just fine. But, I mean, this has been your life for so long. How hard has it been, especially during the playoff run, not to have NBA basketball on TV or to go to these games like we've done? Yeah, you know, it's uh, – I'm going to agree with a lot of the players uh, that, that, I've, that I've seen or read that all of them have realized how much they love the game. You know, when the game is taken away from you and you have to sit at home and think about it, you know, everybody's like, man, I love playing and I miss it so much. And, and I think that's what – that's the kind of love for the game that you have to have in order to make it all the way to the professional level. But when you get to the professional level, it becomes a job. And so sometimes that love can be drugged out of you a little bit. But I think the players, and myself included, have, have realized during this, this time of quarantine how much we do really love the game. And everybody's itching to get back on the floor. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm the same way. I, I've, been, I've been around the NBA for 25 years, and it's, it's my life. You know, and now what do I do? Right, exactly. Well, well you got to watch some of the uh, era that you played in in a documentary. What was your take on The Last Dance? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching The Last Dance. I was able to watch it with my kids. So back when I was playing in the 90s, my kids were born in 96 and 98. So they were obviously way too young to yeah. know about that era. So to be able to rewatch that era with my kids and then pause it and tell them a story that went with, you know, what we just saw, it was really cool to kind of fill in their knowledge of, of what my playing career was like and what it was like in the NBA back then. And, you know, the bad boy Pistons and how physical the game was. Guys just knocking each other down on layups. And, and you don't see that anymore. The game has changed so much. So uh, it really was fun to look back at that era of NBA basketball and get a good glimpse of it. But I also think it showed, uh, you know, if you're going to be the greatest player in the world, you have to be the most competitive dude on the planet. And that's what we saw in Michael Jordan is that, he was the most competitive guy on the planet, and that's what drove him to be the greatest player of all time. But now, looking at it 20 years later, you're like, ooh, that competitiveness doesn't always translate to real life as well as it does on the basketball. So I'm, I'm sure you're asked this all the time, but since we're here talking about it, what was it like being on the floor? Hey, look, those Rock your, your Rockets teams had some success against those Bulls teams. It's been documented. Rockets Twitter page made sure to put that out the first night. It was fun. Those were fun back and forth. I remember the first game, actually, when I moved to Houston. I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I moved to Houston in 92. I think we went to a game in 93 at uh, the old uh, Summit. And back and forth battle. We were right there watching. So what was it like going up against those teams, and more specifically, Michael and Scotty and those guys? Yeah, so, you know, like, when you're a young player in the NBA, and I remember, you know, like, uh, first game against Larry Bird. Oh, my God, I'm playing against Larry Bird. I can't believe it, you know? And you're out there playing, and he's really good. He's a lot better than you are. And you go, oh, man, uh, I got some work to do, you know? And then I, I remember my first practice with the Rockets, my rookie year, I shot a little 12-foot jumper, and a team came from the weak side and blocked it. And, and I was like, that's not even – how is that even possible? You know, like that's not even something that anybody can be capable of doing, but Akeem could do it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And that's kind of the way I felt when I was playing against, you know, Larry Bird and Magic and, 
and and Michael Jordan and uh, you know all the all the greats that you really want to measure up. You want to measure yourself. Like how good am I when I'm playing against the greats? I'm really going to find out. But you really have some some ultimate respect while you're playing them because you know that they're a lot better than you are, and you know you'll never get to that level, and it's pretty impressive. So, could you have beaten them in the finals? Absolutely. There's no question. The, the, the Rockets were five. Check any other answer, by the way, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockets were five and one against the Bulls in the in the Bulls' first three P era. And so we had the formula to beat them. We had Gardner Maxwell to guard Michael Jordan. And we had Akeem Olajuwon, who they had nobody to match up against Akeem. Nobody, like early, nobody in the league had anybody to match up against Akeem. Correct. Yeah, yeah. they were going to be guarding the dream with Bill Cartwright, and that just was not going to work for, for the Bulls. So we had a lot of success against them. And in 93, the Rockets got beat in the second round by the Seattle Supersonics in Game 7, in overtime, in Seattle, and we, I mean, I still feel that pain in my heart, but had we gotten past Seattle in 93, I think we would have beaten the Bulls in 93. So the Rockets would have been the team to three-peat, 93, 94, 95, but the Seattle Supersonics ended that for us uh, with that win in the playoffs in 93. But it's amazing probably what you took from that and you carried it over into the next year. I mean, I, you know, things happen for a reason. I'm a big believer of that. So that – Maybe, I don't know how you see it. Maybe that, I know it's disappointing if you look back on it, but maybe in the moment kind of helped you, propelled you to that first title. That next yep, year. you're exactly right. And I remember, I remember the feeling after that loss. I remember how, how I felt. I remember the feeling of all my teammates and the plane ride that we had back after that loss was the quietest plane ride I've ever been on. And all of us felt that pain. And it drove us through the summer to come back the next year and we ripped off 15 wins in a row to start the season uh, the following year, and we went and we were 22 and one. And I truly believe it was that pain that we felt that drove us to the championship the following year. And I, I even talked with Rudy T about that this summer, or just a couple of weeks ago, summer, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Rudy and I talked about that, and, and he says he's a big believer in uh, you never get anything good in life without going through some pain first. And so uh, that was the pain that we felt. And then we ended up winning back-to-back -back championships. And, hey, that's how it works. What do your kids think when you're telling them these stories as you're sitting there watching it? Because, man, I, to me, I'm biased. That's when I, I grew up watching that era of basketball. Um, I think that was the best era of NBA basketball there was. Um, what do your kids think? Dad, Dad you, you played during, during yeah. all this? I mean, that must have been pretty cool for you. It was very cool. And so, they, you know, they see me as dad, yeah, but yeah. now they have a different perspective of me as an actual player in the NBA. And they know, you know, they actually, I've showed, I showed them clips, you know, as you say, the Houston Rockets page sent out a lot of, a lot of uh, video highlights. And, and so they got to see me as a player uh, back when I had hair, even, you know, so, yeah. so it's kind of cool. They, the corner. I think they showed that shot from the corner where you made right. Yeah. yeah, so now they, you know, they have a little bit more perspective on what my life was like before they were around. And so it was, it was pretty cool to, uh, to show them that. But they also really commented on how much the game has changed, how much different it is now. A uh, lot less contact, no hand checking, a lot more freedom of movement. And uh, I think we all agree that we enjoy watching today's game better just because there's more scoring and it's not such a wrestling match. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you, do you prefer – to prefer this style to that and you live through it you're watching this you, you got beat up a little bit more back then than maybe that you would have today I mean do you like this 
preferred prefer this to that? Yeah, I do. I think the I think the NBA game has changed for the better. I like high school higher scoring games. I like the three point shooting and the and and clearing out the space for for great dunks. But I, I will say, you know, Rudy T was ahead of his time. Rudy T had guys like me and Robert Ori and Mario Ellie outside shooting threes around Akeem. So Rudy T was really the first coach uh, to bring the three point shot into uh, the NBA and use it as a weapon. And so. Uh, we were, you know, it's kind of cool to look back and see how we were doing that. But now the game has changed and the three-point shooting has just gone, uh, you know, astronomical how good it's gotten. You know, you got Steph Curry and, and guys like that shooting really, really deep threes. Damian Lillard shooting deep threes now. So uh, I tell Mike D'Antoni all the time, I say, I wish I could find some HGH or something to turn my clock back 25 years so that I could play for you because I would love to be playing in Mike D'Antoni's system right now. I think, though, I think it was cool, though, that documentary was cool in a way because it showed just how good guys like Reggie were. And, I mean, you, you know, three-point specialist back in the day. I mean, you were a great shooter. Um, you know, Craig Hodges, even with the Bulls, right. was a great shooter. I mean, so you, a lot of people think of the physical style, but like you alluded to, man, there was some really good shooters back then, too, that complemented everything else that was going on before. Yeah, I, I always say that uh, – if you play in the NBA, it doesn't matter what era you played in. Like if you took Will Chamberlain out of the 60s and you, and, you, and you grew him up in today's era and he was a young kid growing up playing basketball today and, and wearing modern shoes, Will Chamberlain would be just as dominant in today's era as he was back then. I don't know why people keep calling me. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> Go ahead. Pick it up right there. What about Will Chamberlain? Sorry about that. I always say that if you take a, an NBA player from any era and put him in a different era, they're still going to be an NBA player. You know, like if you take Will Chamberlain out of the 60s and, and he grew up today in today's era wearing modern shoes with modern weight training technology, he would be just as dominant today as he was back then. Uh, you know, guys like Magic and Larry Bird and Reggie Miller would be terrific in today's game. And guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, if you put them back in the 90s or the 80s, or the 70s, they would be just as good, right? So it, uh, the eras are really hard to compare because the game has changed so much and the training methods have changed so much and the travel has changed so much. But NBA players are NBA players for a reason. There's a certain skill level and a certain size and a certain level of athleticism that you have to have to make it. And so I, I would say that any NBA player could play in any era, but the eras are much different. Well, Matt, hey, thank you for taking a little bit of time uh, to talk about basketball, talk about what's going on. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear your, uh, your voice again over the airwaves soon with NBA basketball. And, you know, best wishes for the family. Stay safe. Everybody uh, stay safe during this time, all right? Yeah, thanks, Daniel. It was a lot of fun talking to you. It was really taking my mind off what's going on in the world. So thank you. No doubt about it. At least that's 10 minutes. That's all we need sometimes is a 10-minute yeah. break. So, Matt, take care. Thanks. Thank you